This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03, Thursday, July 27th. Good morning. Thanks for listening. I'm Judson Richards in for Rob Hart. Right now, the latest measure of the U.S. economy is out. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, Paul Christopher. Paul, thanks so much for your time. What was behind today's solid GDP numbers? Well, you had a really strong increase in durable goods orders. That really comes a lot from the government and the accumulation of the the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, the Infrastructure Act, and the CHIPS Act, lots of government spending uh, to boost industrial capacity uh, in the U.S. Consumers did okay, but slowing dramatically from the previous quarter. We don't agree with the soft landing scenario. Now, the U.S. economy showed few signs of recession in the second quarter. Looks like we may have a soft landing. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, not looking for a soft landing uh, and and thinking that the, the stronger the economic data are, the more likely the Fed is to, to raise interest rates because inflation will be coming right along behind those stronger economic numbers. Uh, so we think in, in a recession here is inevitable. I would be careful with this equity market rally right now. Now, the Fed policy has been front and center this week. Is the central bank done raising rates? No. Uh, in fact, we think inflation uh, at the very least flattens out here and probably increases a bit. You know, gasoline Prices are up quite a bit. Wages are still a considerable source of inflation, and home prices are still pretty sticky. Uh, so those those folks who are thinking that the Fed is is probably done, we think no, not not really the case. They're not close to to cutting. They may have a, another hike or two up their sleeve. Paul, finally, where does jobs fall in the mix currently? Well, the the stronger the jobs um, reading that we get next week, the, the more likely the Fed is to raise rates. But our best guess is that the labor market has just about finished normalizing. Uh, You you had 200,000 jobs roughly created last month. Most of that uh, was done in the private sector, but uh, but that number was actually uh, kind of on the weaker side. So as things normalize in in the job market, you'll eventually get wages coming down, maybe not soon enough to stop the Fed from hiking rates. Uh, but the, the job market is, is looking a little bit more normal, not quite the pillar of strength it was in the last year or two. Paul, thanks so much. That's Paul Christopher, head of Global Market Strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. Coming up, McDonald's is thriving with a certain rotund purple pal getting some of the credit. We'll tell you all about it in just a bit. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Chicago-based McDonald's is celebrating a strong second quarter and revealing plans for a new type of outlet. Let's see what's providing the boost. We're joined by Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the Restaurant Coach. Izzy, great to talk to you. Banner quarterly results at McDonald's, also with the help from Grimace. Can you tell us all about it? Yeah, so Grimace uh, came back, um, you know, with the shake and 
Uh, McDonald's really marketed it, but the unexpected uh, uh, item that took it over and really drove it was TikTok. And, uh, you know, the Grimace inspired all these people to participate in TikTok and go on and do all their own TikToks, creating, you know, uh, little horror films and different shakes and all sorts of things. So they, they had a great idea. And the public, the younger public with TikTok, took it to a whole new level. And I think McDonald's is learning a very interesting uh, lesson right now. Also, Izzy, McDonald's is testing out a a, a new to-go format. What's that all about? Well, you know, just doing smaller footprints uh, to-go only. And this is not something that McDonald's is the only one doing. This is something that Starbucks uh, has been doing as well. I was just in California, and there's a uh, to go only, uh, no way to walk in the door. There's either drive through or a pickup window, walk up window in California. Uh, to go only, and it's much less employees, much smaller footprint, and uh, you know, service actually is much much faster. Is this what what we should be expecting, or is there something new in the next evolution in the fast food sector? Uh, no, I think this is the direction that more and more companies, uh, certainly the fast food industry are going to uh, go in because you're talking about uh, if it's to go only, you, you can still have about the same sales with less than half the staff. So it's so hard to find staff right now. What's driving these ideas is if you can't find staff, then let's build a, you know, a better mousetrap. And that better mousetrap is to go only. Izzy, finally, there's a lot of businesses, including restaurants, that are having trouble hiring enough people what what direction is that going when it comes from hiring and restaurants and finding enough workers? Well, it, it is really, really tough. And, uh, you know, money uh, has been a big part of it. And uh, what I'm finding is uh, we're now, I think we're beyond the, you know, how much I make per hour and I'm going to go down the street and make more. Uh, most of the hiring that we're doing, the success that we're having is building schedules around the employee. They tell us the days that they want off. They tell us the hours that they want to work. We have become very, very accommodating in order to fill those slots. And now what we're finding is when we do that, those employees stay a lot longer. Izzy, thanks so much for your time today. That's Izzy Carriage, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the Restaurant Coach. Coming up next, a stronger-than-expected earnings report that boosts shares of Meta. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, shares of Meta are on the rise after the company exceeds analysts' expectations in the second quarter. Let's take a closer look with Angelo Zeno, Senior Equity Analyst, CFRA, there in New York. Angelo, good day. Good to talk to you. Better than expected earnings from Facebook parent Meta. What's behind the strong results? Yep, definitely better than expected. And, and really what's behind it is just the ad landscape is holding up much better than expected, uh, better than I think most people had, had anticipated. We've actually seen um, some nice acceleration in terms of growth since the start of the year, and that's expected to, to continue to take place as we kind of progress through the second half of the year. When Specifically, one area that they did highlight was uh, Reels monetization, where um, that business, and that's really kind of their, their answer to TikTok, it's their short-form videos, and that business now is run at a run rate north of $10 billion, where um, you compare that to about $3 billion just last fall. So you kind of look at really what's driving the business here. It's some of those new opportunities out there, which should continue to scale 
very nicely as we go into 2024. Angelo, artificial intelligence appears to be a big focus for Meta going forward. How does AI fit in its strategy? Yeah, so, you know, when we think about AI, I mean, uh, Meta, along with a number of these other large cap tech companies, will be big beneficiaries of the kind of the, the broader generative AI theme. Meta um, does have kind of uh, a place here for AI, and that's largely kind of, uh, you know, with one improving kind of their recommendations and ranking systems. I mean, I don't know any you know anyone else that's kind of been using um, Facebook or Instagram probably have seen some really kind of nice improvement in terms of um, being able to kind of um, just just be able to match kind of um, what they're looking for much better than, you know, what you would have been able to do just kind of nine, 12 months ago in terms of the content out there. And, you know, on the other side of things, they're, they're kind of leveraging up some new generative AI models out there, trying to create some new products, experiences, things like AI agents, which are going to be more of a, a longer term opportunity out there but still something that kind of meta is going to play a big role in um, over time. So the so-called metaverse and the company's AR, VR headsets were all the buzz a few years ago. Where, where do those projects stand right now? So meta, the metaverse is actually still very a very important long-term opportunity for the company as, in terms of kind of the, the expenses attached to it. I mean, it, it's definitely an area that investors have continued to kind of grumble over. But, um, you know, it's great to be meta right now because, um, it's a company which essentially has unlimited cash to work with. So um, we're all about them kind of continuing to invest for the future. Um, you do have a, a new kind of uh, VR headset coming out this fall. The run rate in terms of their top line business in terms of their uh, Reality Labs business down about 40 to 50 percent right now. But that should turn around. Um, as you're looking at their biggest launch since 2020 taking place in the second half of the year. So you'll start seeing some fruits of their label, labor, but at the end of the day, this is going to be a loss-making business probably for um, years to come. Angela, in about 60 seconds, can you give us a recommendation for a stock, a quick stock tick before we let you go? Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, our recommendation continues to be buy, and uh, our 12-month target price is $350. And we kind of look at the, uh, you know, look at the valuation of this stock uh, trading about 21 times our 24 estimate. Uh, we think it's an ex extremely uh, reasonable valuation here. And when you kind of compare it against some of the bigger tech companies out there, it's actually the most attractively valued among the group. So um, we continue to, to recommend inv investors buy it um, despite the move that we're seeing here today. Andrew, thanks so much for your time. That's Angelo Zeno, Senior Equity Analyst for CFRA. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, your next job search could feature a chat. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station. News Radio 105.9. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 
WBBM News Time, 1230. Good afternoon. I'm Judson Richards in for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The long, hot summer extends well beyond our area and the United States. And scientists in Europe say this month may be the Earth's hottest in 120,000 years. In Technology Thursday, the companies are increasingly turning to chatbots and artificial intelligence to screen job applicants. And the Chicago Steakhouse is experiencing a renaissance. All those stories and much more coming up in midday. It's an extremely busy time for air conditioner repair businesses. WBBM's Mike Krauser has the story. The crews at Altap Heating and Air Conditioning have been busy like others in their line of work. Just the phone's ringing off the hook. Um, we've got 10 plus people in the office. General Manager Andrew Mayerholz says if your AC is not properly cooling, it could be as simple as replacing the filter if it's dirty and cleaning the outside of the outside unit. They can get clogged with cottonwood, for example. And, it's, and can overheat the system, and that would be the reason it would not reach temperature. If the unit is old, he says, say 20 or 30 years old, it's recommended that it be replaced. Also, he says, have the furnace and AC serviced by a professional before the temperatures become extreme. Mike Krauser, 105.9 WBBM. July has been so hot to this point that scientists calculate that the month will be the globally hottest on record and likely the warmest human civilization has seen. That word comes today from the World Meteorological Organization and the European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Service. They say Earth's temperature in July could surpass the record set four years ago. It's 1231. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, markets are higher. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Nick Rach, CEO of the Earnings Scout website, earningsscout.com. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Stocks are on the run. What's behind strength in the financial markets currently? Oh, it has been growing optimism that the Fed can uh, engineer a soft economic landing. And uh, we've been saying pull the pull off a hat trick of defeating inflation, avoiding recession, and eventually giving the market what it wants down the road here, interest rate cuts. So the market keeps uh, betting that that's going to occur, and uh, that's been driving stocks higher. So we're in the heart of, of earnings season currently. What's your takeaway? Yeah, we have roughly uh, just under half of the S&P 500 companies have now reported their second quarter results of 44% to be exact. By, by tomorrow's open, we'll have uh, half the index on the clock. Uh, better than expected, um, but that's kind of as expected with the actual results. Um, you know, 80% of the companies are beating their estimates on the bottom line, 64% beating on the top line, uh, growth holding up a little bit better than what was feared. Uh, and that's uh, behind the, the optimism as well. But uh, we look at the revisions after the company's report, and we've measured improvement in earnings expectations over the last nine months. It seems to be stalling out right now. Uh, towards the revision trends. We're not getting more improvement. We're not getting weakening either in the estimate revisions. Uh, But uh, that's something we're noticing uh, this earnings season. So tech has been the leader this year. It seems like the rest of the market is catching up. Do you feel that way? Oh, absolutely. It has. But the rest of the market is catching up, but still very, very far behind the communication services sector uh, in the information technology sectors, which have just completely of how outstretched returns, you know, driven by the Magnificent Seven, which are typically, you know, more tech focused, tech focused with, you know, Apple, Amazon, 
Uh, NVIDIA, Microsoft have been leading the way up with higher earnings. Uh, but the rest of the market is broadening out the rally, but still very, very far behind those those top seven companies. What What is your advice for the individual investor? We're still warranting a little bit of caution, uh, given the valuation levels and, and the expectations basically are starting to price in a near-perfect scenario to unfold. Um, and we think it's going to be very difficult still for the Fed to pull off the hat trick, you know, where we say the three things it must do, you know, um, defeat inflation, avoid a recession, and give interest rate cuts. We don't think the Fed's going to be able to all three, and the market's pricing in that it will. Any areas you, you think the market is cheap currently? You know, we it's not necessarily cheap, but we think there's more momentum, momentum behind it would be in those technology names typically driven into artificial intelligence into that area. We don't think it's euphoric pricing in those areas, but they're certainly expensive. But we think they're going to get even a little bit more expensive uh, as some of the fear of missing out trade uh, gets uh, underway into those areas. Yeah, any concerns that that would, would cause a pullback for stocks? Well, the pullback we would measure, and if we start measuring the estimates starting to get cut at increasing rates, uh, again, they're about the same rate as they were last earnings season, so we've seen a stall in the improvement. But if we noticed a weakening trend as prices kept rising, that divergence would give us a clear signal that uh, overvaluations at play and you'd want to start really scaling back on equities. Nick, thanks so much for your time this uh, this morning, this afternoon. Nick Rage, CEO of the Earnings Scout website, EarningScout.com. Coming up next, in Technology Thursday, the role of AI in the employment market. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and this afternoon we're looking at the expanding use of artificial intelligence and chatbots in hiring. We welcome Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm to discern right here in Chicago. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. How prevalent is AI right now in the hiring process? Uh, it's very common in large companies where the, the jobs are not necessarily very specific or white-collar. You're trying to get a large population and sort them down to people that meet the requirements. Like, can you run a forklift? Do you understand Microsoft Word? Um, so big companies are, are doing that a lot. As some of the staffing companies are beginning to, to delve in it as well. Give us some tips on how job applicants can best navigate AI and chatbots uh, when they're looking for a position. Avoid them? Uh, <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. that This system has always been the case for recruiting, even back when we used to send resumes in to people and try to get attention. The, the system is not designed to find you. It's not designed to help you find a job. The system is designed to take a large population and sift through them to find people that have potential. So if I'm in the market and I am approached, contacted, and there's contact made by uh, an AI system, the one thing I have that gives me agency is I know that that organization is hiring. And uh, my advice to you, uh, in spite of how much this is going to upset the people that do it for a living, is I would try to reach out directly to those organizations and say, I understand you're looking for somebody I'm interested and try to create a relationship uh, with someone in that organization through your own network. The, the disconnect for AI right now is that it doesn't connect well, it doesn't blend well with the person. So the best AI functions are the ones that say, 
hey, Justin, I understand that you're interested in this and this and this. Would you like to talk to somebody who might have an opportunity for you and then connect you directly to that person and take the buggy flaws and, and messes that come out of technology out of it as quickly as possible? So kind of expounding on that, how can a job seeker use AI to help them land a gig? Well, that's that you know that's that's free right now. I don't know if it will be forever, but ChatGPT is a great place. You know, I made the joke I think one time about you could just have ChatGPT interview with the AI bot, and then you can go play golf until they give you a job. <laughs> but the, the, the reality is that you should be doing research on organizations that are interested in you or that you are interested in, so that you have cogent, useful information about that organization and what their issues are, and you can ask them the question, hey. Tell me about ABC Company and what they're interested in, and what would I do to go and get a job there? I mean, you can ask the software for really good talking points, or even specifically to functional parts of that organization. What's their culture like? And and get more information about, and perhaps even decide, oh, I don't even really want to pursue a job there. It's not what I thought it was. And Rick, perhaps the, the biggest question of all, a lot of people concerned about artificial intelligence's impact on their jobs. How concerned should some people be? They should be. Um, I, Without pointing fingers at anybody, I was in a conference about five years ago prior to COVID where someone said the algorithms, which is really what a chat, what, a, what the chat GPT and, and uh, the chat uh, interview bots are, um, will allow us to do work that right now is a white collar job. So I don't, without getting into it specifically, let's say your job is to validate the, the, the documents that are in a contract, maybe sort of a legal function. That is basically a middle-range white-collar job right now that you know hits stamps on stuff and approves that things are what they are and says your mortgage is approved, et cetera. That's something that uh, technology can do. If your job is easily repeatable, routine, day-to-day, and the more of it that is processing data that is never changing and doesn't require a lot of thinking other than validating, those jobs are at risk. And uh, there's a lot of them out there. So I think that's the the biggest concern. Plumbers and electricians are going to be around for a long time, but people who are processing paperwork are, are need to be thinking about other things. Rick, thanks so much for your time today. That's Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm to, uh, to discern. Also, Join us this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, a look at the thriving steakhouse scene right here in Chicago. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, the Chicago Steakhouse is alive and well, but in a more modern form. Let's learn more from Ali Marathi Restaurants and Retail. She's a reporter from Crane Chicago Business. And Ali, thanks so much for joining us. There are a host of new steakhouses opening or soon to open in Chicago. What's behind the bonanza? Yeah, so um, basically the environment has gotten a lot better for steakhouses. You know, in Chicago, they were hit really hard during the pandemic because steaks didn't travel well and the to-go orders, and the price of beef was so high. Consumer demand has changed in a way that, you know, they're not as scared to go spend money anymore on a steak, Uh, not because they're not worried about the economy anymore, but because they want to splurge. And what better way to do that than on a good steak in a nice restaurant? So as we move forward in this new world, these aren't your traditional Chicago-style steakhouses, are they? They're not. You know, they don't have uh, often the white tablecloths, the big cuts of meat, the buttery sides. They're more niche. They're more modern. They've crafted their menus not around excessive beef 
beef consumption, but really more around moderation. And, you know, it's interesting to see, too, you know, they've got there's a Basque steakhouse. There's a couple of Italian steakhouses opening. There's one that smokes their meat before uh, they finish it off. So a really kind of interesting approach is to the cooking technique and also the menu. You've covered this a bit, but since the pandemic specifically, how has the steakhouse experience really changed? Yeah. So, you know, you're not going in and you're not seeing a lot of the same stuff on the menu, first of all. Also, you know, the the way that you go to steakhouses change and why, right? You're not going there before show anymore. You're not getting a pre-dinner drink somewhere else and then going to dinner and then going to get dessert somewhere else. You're going in, you're hunkering down and you're ordering the sides, the cocktails and the desserts. You know, this is really good for these restaurants because it's basically driving up, you know, bills, meaning more money coming into the steakhouses. And additionally, these new steakhouses are a lot smaller format, which I mentioned. But, you know, that means that um, they don't need to churn as many people through as some of the bigger restaurants used to. So it's just really a different vibe altogether. Have steakhouses and I guess, you know, you would include all restaurants. Have they had to pivot somewhat? Because they may not be able to rely on the business traveler like they used to because we're still, you know, with the, with the pre-pandemic number, numbers that we're at currently? A little bit. You know, we've um, some of the steakhouse owners in Chicago have told me that a lot of the convention traffic is back, which is great for them. Um, but a lot of these places are up in the neighborhoods, you know, up Smoke steak is up in Avondale, for instance, and um, not not targeting those those business people as much as some of the old school steakhouses used to. So you've got that going on. The other thing is with these new restaurants is that they're not having to retrofit things the way that a lot of the big steakhouses did when the pandemic hit. And that is working in their favor. You know, the cost of beef is still high, but for example, maybe the farmers they're buying them from gets them out of the commodity roller coaster of beef prices a little bit. Um, to-go orders are still prevalent, but maybe the way they cook their, their steak uh, makes it so it travels a little bit better. They're taking these types of approaches to, to help kind of guard against um, you know, these headwinds that we saw for the past few years and, and really fit into what has become the new normal. Allie, thanks so much for your time. Allie Marotti, restaurants and retail reporter from Crane Chicago Business. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com, also on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.